Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You do, because... You know, this person tells you they love you and you believe them and you love them. And yeah, you don't you don't think that love kills you. Wow. Or can. Man. So um, I ended up losing that job because I had a bunch of medical issues and because we couldn't find out what was wrong. They couldn't fill out the FMLA paperwork. Oh. So they, they didn't have an identifiable diagnosis, so they just couldn't give you an FMLA excuse. Right. Oh, that's horrible. I mean, I was kind of relieved, don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I did not love that job. Yeah. And But then I ended up having to move with my parents again. Now, I, thinking back, realized this was my first passive-aggressive attempt to leave, Although at the time I didn't wasn't thinking, oh, if I move back in with my parents, he's not going to come with me. And by passive aggressive attempt, do you mean an unconscious? You know what? Maybe it was unconscious is better because I think passive aggressive does have some intention. It was definitely an unconscious attempt. So you didn't quite you couldn't quite bring yourself to leave on your own. So you were maybe using this as a way out. Exactly. But then, hey, this is not working. I've lost my job. Our lease is up. I've got to move back in with my parents. And then we both ended up there. <laughs> he came to your parents? Yes. Did you ever feel like he was partly using you for childcare to make the load easier? Later, yes. Okay. Definitely. I definitely had um, ended up doing a lot of the driving uh back and forth to practices, making sure she got to play practice, making sure she got to sporting events, getting up early on the weekends to take her to sporting practices. And I was never begrudging of that. Were you making more sacrifices with this child than he was? Oh, I would get up every, so we had her on the weekends cause they were obviously divorced. And um, I would get up very early in the morning, make breakfast. You know, once we moved back to Chattanooga, I had to drive her an hour to where her 
family lives. You, not him. Right. Why? What was the reason there? Oh, well, you know, my car isn't safe enough. Or, you know, I worked, I work nights or, you know, I, he told me he had narcolepsy, which I don't believe now. Oh my goodness. But, you know, so there was always a reason why. And that's probably the kind of thing people use as you're stupid. And that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, they're, they're upset. You're falling for the tricks that has nothing to do with intelligence. That's you're too empathetic. You're too trusting. It's not about IQ or intelligence, but is that the type of thing people would say? Like, how could you be so stupid to fall for that? Especially because, um, you know, I worked weekends back then. I was working in retail after I left the job that mm-hmm. I didn't like. I found a job uh, back here in because we're in Chattanooga mm-hmm. where my parents are and found a job in retail. And uh, that's that's where the next one came in um, who told me that I was stupid the uh, next relationship? It wasn't a relationship per se, but I would say probably the, what I think is another nurse's different uh-huh. kind. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I remember we were, I was talking about, oh, you know, I did this and I had to go out, take her, got up at 530 in the morning, uh-huh. got her breakfast, got her dress, took her to church, drove uh-huh. the hour out there, drove the hour back and then went to work. Wow. So you were probably the only one working, but somehow the one that did the two hour drive before work on a weekend. Yes. So I was more often working than not. So I had that one little break in between uh, the job that I did and this retail job Uh where I wasn't working. And that was the only time throughout the relationship that I was unemployed. Okay. Can't say that about my partner at the time. Uh, They could not keep stable employment. Mm. So, and I, that's That's a red flag. Yes. (laughs) Um, and, but I felt so guilty and he made me feel so bad about the time that I had lost my job because my FMLA wasn't improved, uh, approved that, you know, it was my fault. He blamed you. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, you know, not knowing any better did, believe that to some extent. I felt so guilty that we had to move back in with my parents and that, you know, I ruined our home and I, you know, it was, I did all that. So there was almost no empathy or support or compassion or understanding, just blaming, guilt tripping, emotional blackmail, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that gets very interesting when you live with other people, especially your family. So it's not like he could yell at me, Mm -hmm. but the manipulation took definitely other turns. Um, So, you know, I'm driving all over the place on the weekends. I'm the one who's grabbing the groceries. I'm the one who's paying for things. Um, I'm the one who's working consistently. At one point he worked out of town and I had to drive there on my days off. You're over-functioning in every way, like bending over backwards. And mm-hmm. you had to do that in childhood too, right? Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind that I had just gone through all these health issues. Mm-hmm. And so I've just come out of that. We moved back in with my parents. I get this other job and now I'm overperforming. Right, which is such a red flag and maybe something to, you know, have the listeners think through if they've been through this or they have a loved one is, 
not an intentional test, but life has a lot of natural tests. Like, how is this person for you during hard times? Whether it's, oh, this is a stressful season at work, or I'm sick, or I have a family crisis, or I have a medical problem. Like, is this person getting your needs on their radar at that point and, and nurturing you and validating you and supporting you? Or are their demands just endless and there's no support and even blame? Right. That's just appalling. And, but I didn't see it. Yeah. You know, for a very, very long time. And then, so I, I'm going into work and I'm kind of venting about the situation because I know something's not right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how not right it is. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how toxic it is. It isn't a lack of intelligence, but it's a lack of just not really knowing any better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm at work where I have this person seeing me getting beaten down. I am just being broken down systematically, piece by piece over time. And of course, they start swooping in. Mm-hmm. And of course, they become my confidant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, oh, this is wrong. And you deserve better than this. And do you know that you would be perfect for someone that would appreciate you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, just, oh, my friend, they're trying to save me. And, right. <sighs> oh, boy. Yeah. yeah it, and I was so just not myself at that point that I really fell into it. Well, yeah, you're incredibly vulnerable. And a lot of what that person was saying was true. I mean, it, is, it wasn't right, but you didn't realize there was an ulterior motive and you were being groomed. I had no clue. Like, I was just like, this is my best friend. Uh-huh. This is my mentor. This is the person who wants more for me than anyone else has. And, you know, I just, I was so appreciative to have this person who was almost a relief in my life. Yeah. And I was just so profoundly grateful. And the whole time I didn't know that it was, it was just a game to them and it was a joke. And everyone, you know, the sad thing is I think everyone else could see that. Mm. I was so out of it, you know, at that point. You were so desperate for someone to have your needs on their radar. Right. And to see you. And it, you know, things like I had asked my partner at the time, you know, he was like, well, what do you want for Christmas? What do you need? Mind you, all the holidays, I paid for all the gifts. Mm. I paid for all the cell phones. I paid for all the iPads. I paid for, you know, you just keep paying for more and more and more and more. And, you know, I didn't see it that way. And so he would ask, well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I just wanted a Wonder Woman sweatshirt. That is all I wanted. <laughs> a sweatshirt. Wonder <laughs> I wanted Woman. a sweatshirt. You know, it, I never got that sweatshirt, by the way. Wow. So you're buying like $1,000 gifts or $500 gifts, and you're asking for like a $30 or $50 sweatshirt. Yeah. And you didn't get it. No. So I, I think it was that year he got the, an iPad Pro when the iPad Pros first came out. Uh-huh. And those were... A, thousand dollars or more Uh and I remember he got mad because I didn't get the one that didn't need to be back ordered because he wanted it right away never good enough right and everyone's like so you bought him a thousand dollar iPad and he's mad wow why and I'm just like oh you know he's really frustrated he's just so excited you make excuses 
because, you know, you think, oh, you know, I can kind of get where you're coming from. You're so empathetic. You find a way to make sense of it and to cut them slack when they don't deserve it. But they're not doing that for you. Right. There was no slack whatsoever. And, you know, it just kept getting progressively more. They want more. Uh The more you give, the more they want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like he could yell at me because we lived with my family. But there were other means, you know, always having to check in, always needing to know where I was. Uh, The work had a lot of parties. I never went to any of the parties. Oh, my goodness. Why was that? Uh, I was not allowed to. Jealousy or I need you at home to do the work for me? Kind of both. Like if he, he worked nights a lot and I worked sort of mid shift uh-huh. days, our, you know, our schedules never really sort of meshed up. And so I had a lot of time where I was, you know, technically alone, mm-hmm. but that time was never allowed to really be with other people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wasn't allowed to go to these parties and everyone would be texting me like, where are you? Why aren't you coming? And then it, you know, kind of became a joke, like Burton. We didn't invite you because we know you're not coming. Right. Everybody could see it. And and that's where I'm so glad you brought up the frog in boiling water analogy because for those who don't know it, I bring this example up with clients a lot and I just love it. And at least half of them have never heard of it. But the short version is that if you, if someone turns the temperature up, you know, a big pot of water, so slowly. I mean, it starts at room temperature and then, you know, every few days you go up half a degree and there's a frog in that pot. Eventually after about a month or two, or I'm not really doing the math, but it will be boiling, but the frog doesn't notice it because the temperature is just so subtly changing like that insidious nature that you Mm -hmm. mentioned that you don't jump out because it's not shocking you. It's not surprising you. You know, it started with the pizza pan and here we are, you know, it's my fault that, you know, we're not independently living and, you know, it's, it's just, everything's my fault. (laughs) Yeah. And if you had a friend come and, and, or you were watching a friend or family member, like, pay for all these extravagant gifts, but receiving nothing, skipping all your work parties to take care of their child or to have to report in and check in with that control and that possessiveness. And you saw all that, you would be like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Like, why are you putting up with this? You know, but after two, three, four years, it's just so slowly. And and when you're a high empathy person or a sensitive person, you don't like to be in trouble. You don't right. like to disappoint people. You don't like conflict. And so you're just constantly like, how can I keep this person happy? And the rules get more and more stringent and the expectations. And you don't realize that huge change from the beginning when he's catering and telling you how wonderful you he, you are and singing with you in the middle of the night, suddenly you're in prison and you're like running yourself ragged, bending over backwards while he gives nothing. Right. And you don't see how terrible it is and you're burning a lot. Exactly. And so, you know, there's that social isolation. So mm-hmm. yes, we live with family, but you know, not the most we were never good at communication in my family. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I could talk to them about what was going on. I didn't even recognize what was going on, you know, and I vent to my work friends about it 
And it was funny because I told him, you know, I just wanted this sweatshirt. So what do they do? They bring me a, a, not the Wonder Woman sweatshirt, but like a box of Wonder Woman gifts. Oh. But of course it had to be like where nobody was watching. Because your boyfriend would have hated it? No, because they were uh, a superior. Oh, you mean this? I was thinking plural, but you were just being, okay. Gender neutral. Right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> this person that was grooming you brought right. you a, was the hero that rescued right. you. Right. Just, oh, my hero, you know, trying to come in on a white horse. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. That's crazy. Well, um, I don't know if there's anything else with that relationship or that history that you want to share. Just, you know, I know we want to move on maybe for the next episode into um, the healing. Um Let's see. Is my phone even still? I hope. Okay, good. <laughs> wow, it's been an hour. Oh, so wow. if we only have 30 more minutes, maybe, is there anything else you want to say before maybe we could spend 25 minutes on healing? So that um, really came to a head and I ended up being isolated after that completely. We ended up moving an hour away. Um, I had to cut off contact with everyone that I had previously worked with. Um, there was, uh, messages found that definitely between myself and the superior that definitely, you know, did not help the situation. Mm -hmm. And so that last year I was trying to redeem myself the entire time at your job at, with my relationship. Oh, so your partner knew that there was an emotional connection with this superior at work. Mm -hmm. So then you were in the doghouse and you were trying to, I don't know, make amends or something. And that's when things, uh, became violent. That's definitely when the violence came into the picture, there was, uh, sleep deprivation, um, social isolation, isolation from my family. And basically that last year, year and a half, I was by myself with this person, completely almost imprisoned. Oh my goodness. an entire year. You're like locked on lockdown. Exactly. Ah. So they're spiraling and I'm trying to keep our home together. I'm trying to make sure that the bills are paid, the lights are on, there's food in the fridge, that their child never realizes how unstable things are. Wow. So you're trying to keep things smooth while your partner was spiraling? Yes. So uh, drinking. Um, I turns out there was drug activity behind my back because we did still work separate schedules. I worked out here. I worked during days. Um, and it all came to head where he ended up, he ended up arrested. Wow. For violence or for drugs? For drugs. Okay. And having an unregistered firearm. Was that a blessing in disguise? It was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. I packed up pretty fast after that. Thank goodness. Well, and I also work in a field where had I stayed, I could have lost my job. Oh my goodness. And I definitely love my job that I, I still have that job now. Yeah. I love the people I work with. I would not sacrifice it for anything in the world. Mm. And I mean, it was just so brazen. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm pulling all the weight. I'm making sure that everything seems normal. I'm trying to just keep things up so that, you know, we could at least appear happy, I guess, at this point. Mm. 
You know what I sometimes think about with narcissists and narcissistic abuse is that they have this programming inside of them that they're probably not even fully conscious of, but the best defense is a good offense. Mm -hmm. Just keeping you like on the attack all the time. Like, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what I need. And just keeping you in chaos and turmoil. And all you can think is how do I shut this up? How do I shut him up? How do I get him off my back? And you're just kind of brainwashed. Like you said, it was so aggressive at the end. Like, you know, you're definitely, it was definitely non-aggressive and almost unnoticeable for that first few years. But that last year and a half where I was completely isolated was an absolute living nightmare. Mm. Wow. Absolute living nightmare. And, you know, part of it, I can't, I will be honest, I don't remember all of it. Yeah. I, I know I've walked a lot of it out. It comes back in bits and pieces sometimes, but most of the time I, I just don't think I'm ready to know everything that happened. I know there was violence. I know I was terrified of that stupid gun, you know. Um, mm. He made sure you knew he had a gun. Yes. Wow. Um, and I just, I remember one day my face was being, like I was faced down into the floor, like being ground into the floor. And I just remember thinking, this is it. This is how it ends. Oh my Sorry. goodness. No, it's okay. I mean, you've been away from him for a few years now? Um, since October, 2019. So it, three years this next month. So physically it was October, 2019. We didn't go no contact until last spring. Oh, wow. Yeah. You were still talking. But just to see how that moment where you were face down on the ground still can bring you to tears when you talk about it shows how trauma lives on and you're working on it. I mean, some people don't even work on, they just try to bury it and not talk about it. But the pain of it is, you know, takes a long time to heal from. It does. And, you know, if if you're going through trauma, whether it's abusive or whether you know you were in an accident whether you were in the military don't put a timeline on when you think you should heal there should be Mm. no timeline on healing you're going to have good days you're going to have bad days and you know I had a lot of bad days Mm -hmm. um it took me about a year and a half to get counseling Mm -hmm. to even admit there was something wrong so you know I went I was so emotionally shut down at a certain point Mm. I wasn't feeling anymore. Mm -hmm. Very numb. Just completely numb, zombie-ish, just to get through. Yeah, just survival mode and shutdown mode. Exactly. You know, just to your point about like forgetting and having lapses in memory, that is so normal. And I think it surprises people. Like, how can you forget? But I'm sure that people listening, if they had trauma in their childhood... There may be voids in your childhood memories and then an abusive relationship. There can be voids in that. And just a a great example, 10 years ago, at least, I was working with a woman who was going through a divorce and I had met with her and her husband and um, I had notes and from my individual sessions with her. And when she was going through the court stuff to get divorced, she said, can I get my notes from my individual sessions just to help me remember, because I'm trying to like share my story with my attorney. And I said, sure. So I gave her her notes 
And she said, you won't believe this, but you wrote in your notes that one of the weeks that I had been choked twice by my husband. And she said, I forgot. Yeah, that's so normal because, you know, your brain is self-protective. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, trauma is sort of like a traumatic brain injury. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I don't technically have a TBI, mm-hmm. but I have, I think if you did like a scan, you'd probably see that some things are lit up and some things aren't. Yes. And it would look probably not normal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a lot like that. Your brain will shut things down. It'll overcompensate in another area. It'll do your body and your brain will do whatever it takes to get you to survive. Yes. And so does, is it always helpful? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, so there, I, I'm probably not even linear giving my story. And, you know, part of it is just I don't remember everything literally. Yeah. You were in such a fog and so much trauma that you just, you know, time frames and memories and lack of clarity is 100% normal. Right. You're in a tailspin. Well, then, you know, I came out of it and then the pandemic hit. Uh-huh. So then it was Groundhog Day for seven uh-huh. months, like working from home every day was the same. So, you know, time just becomes this really bizarre thing. Yeah, for sure. It just becomes so foreign. Well, this story is just incredible. And, and I hope it really helps people who are in relationships to just be really careful and protect themselves. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just, it takes on average seven times to leave an abusive situation. Seven times longer to leave an abusive situation. It takes seven attempts usually before someone can successfully leave. Oh, seven attempts. Wow. I, I believe that. It's hard so to get out. Give yourself some grace. Yeah. You know, if you're in a situation like that, you're isolated. You don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. available to you that everyone thinks just magically exist. Mm-hmm. You don't have a social network anymore. If you've been taken away from everyone, how are you supposed to establish a community in order or a support system yeah. that would be required to leave? That is a favorite strategy of an abuser is to isolate you and make you doubt that people care about you and say bad things about your loved ones or tell you that your loved ones don't love you, just anything to make you more insecure, break down your ego, make you, you know, like guilt trip you for having outside relationships because they don't want any accountability. They don't want any checks and balances and they want you to feel like no one else would ever put up with you. Exactly. No one else is ever going to love you except for me. Oh, I have those text messages. Wow. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's like the worst, but the smartest strategy, if you want someone to never leave you, just break them down at their very core, tell them no one really loves them. I had a friend that was in a narcissistic marriage and had kids with him, and he was, she said she believed him when he was like, oh, those people really don't like you and just constant. But when he got down to your own mother and your own sister don't even love you or care about you. That was when there was a little spark of her that said, you know what? He's wrong. Like she knew that was wrong. And that helped her wake up to what is he trying to do? You know? Right. Oh, that just gave me chills. But thank goodness she's out of that relationship. Um, So um, what 
would be some of the best advice we could team up together to give people in a situation like this? You are more loved than you realized. Like, because that's the biggest thing is you don't feel loved. You are worth more than you realize. You're, you are, everybody is special Uh in their own way. You know, just the fact that we exist is special. You know, how many millions of years did it take to make you? Don't let someone take that away from you. I don't care if it's a parent. I don't care if it's a spouse. I don't care who it is. Uh Don't let anyone ever take that away from you. Like you're lovable. You're valuable. You're a great person. If you're being devalued by anyone in your life, you need to take a major step back and say, there's something wrong with this person if they're devaluing me and they don't love me or or they're cutting me down they don't see me the problem is a lot of people's self-esteem and like yeah. yours is so bad that you fall for that that's a version of the gaslighting yeah um but maybe just to find that little spark that says no i do know that i am a great person and i'm lovable and if this person is going to be treating me like crap and just cutting me down then I deserve better than this. Everyone deserves to be loved. And narcissistic abuse is being punished for wanting to love and be loved and returned. Hmm. And and nobody deserves that. Everyone deserves to have real love, I think. Mm-hmm. At least once. Yeah. What would you say about this point? Um, you know, there are some people that would say, ask your loved ones, the people who truly know you and are healthy, balanced people, do you have major concerns about this relationship? And then there are others that might say, well, it's none of their business. You know, what would your advice be on that? Not that necessarily that someone's going to listen to you right away. If you tell them that something is wrong with their relationship, but if you are a true friend and you are a value, I did have someone, they're not my life now, Mm -hmm. but they did say, you're going to have to choose between this relationship and the rest of your relationships, especially me. I can't sit by and watch this anymore. Mm -hmm. And although, you know, I don't think we're friends anymore. We haven't spoken in a really long time. I can get where that would be hard for some people. Mm -hmm. And I respect that. But if, if you're close, if anyone who remains close to you, during that time tells you something's wrong, try to listen. I know it's easier said than done because you've been, you know, you get so manipulated and brainwashed and just, you know, your head's a complete mess. Mm -hmm. But yes, you know, if someone tells you something's wrong, take a step back and try to see where they're coming from. How would you have felt if someone came to you and said, do you need help getting out of this relationship? What do you think you would have thought? I know at some point I would have been like, no, everything's fine. Uh Uh-huh. Until the end. I mean, by then I was pretty much alone. I, uh, when I did leave, I packed up my car, didn't even call my parents. I just showed up, didn't really tell anyone what was happening. I had been planning it for some amount of time. Mm -hmm. Like in my head mentally, I've been like, okay, I need to leave. I did have a, a wake up at some point on my own and it, it's just, you're terrified. Yeah. Cause if it's violent to stay, how violent is it going to be to leave? Yeah. And you know, if somebody at that time had said, you know, I'll help you. I would have said, Oh my gosh, absolutely. Please, thank you. Yes. But before that I would have been like, there's nothing wrong. 
everything's fine. Wow. And they say love is blind, you know, but this is a, a different level, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some people would probably go to a domestic abuse shelter. Right. And, and that can get narcissistic abuse if it's not physically violent, which more often than not, it's more verbal than yeah. physical. Yeah. Some shelters won't take you. Oh, there has to be some physical abuse for them to take you. Sometimes. Or kids involved. You know, I don't have any children. So come to find out at the end of all of it, he was never able to have more children. Mm. And that was one of the things he said, oh, do you want to have kids? I was like, absolutely. Well, I want more kids. He couldn't. He knew he was physically unable to have children. Oh, so that was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I had a story come to mind years ago of a teenager um, who was in an, an abusive relationship that, of course, started out normal. And then it became very sexually abusive and sexually aggressive. And I mean, literally, this this boyfriend would would force her to have sex. And she was just like a deer in the headlights. And she was scared, didn't to get out of it, didn't know where to turn. And her family eventually had to intervene and do it for her. And of course she was a teenager, but I, I do wonder if sometimes people might just say, you know, I need to get out of this and I, I need some help. And whether it's a group intervention, like bring your family, bring your friends and say, this relationship is over. And um, no matter whether you're 30 years old or 14 years old, you know, thank God you had him go to jail, which was the perfect out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe if if you're I, I love that you had a friend that said we can't stand by and watch this. And I always encourage people in any relationship to say, is this a healthy relationship? And, you know, you don't even have to answer me out loud. Just think inside your own head. And this is advice. Like, is this an abusive relationship in any way? Mm -hmm. And if it is, then, you know, if it's worth salvaging, which in your case, it wasn't. But um, but if you're not sure, you know, insist on counseling. And if you know it's not healthy and it's abusive and they're not willing to go to counseling, then that's a major red flag. Or counseling with a narcissist is dangerous because if you don't have an experienced counselor, you could end up getting triangulated Mm -hmm. where it does become the counselor and the narcissist versus you. Yeah. Because not all counselors know, you know, narcissists don't often go to counseling. There's nothing wrong with them. It's everybody else. So, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, therapists, psychologists see every day. Oh yeah. I've been warned by many clients over the years now when you meet my father or when you meet my mother or you meet my partner, you know, they're a smooth talker. You're probably going to like them. Just like you said, your boyfriend was very charming when you met him and he was impressive. And, you know, I've had so many people warn me like, you know, don't fall for the tricks, you know? So they know the two sided nature. Um, So, yeah, so to prevent a narcissistic relationship or get out of it, um, those are some tools. Definitely, you can read on narcissism, read on narcissistic abuse, um, you know, start to talk to someone you really trust that you feel like is a very grounded person that doesn't have ulterior motives or isn't, you know, going to enable it for for the wrong reasons. Um, 
And and then for those who have already gotten out of one, um, what would be some of your favorite tools or things that helped you heal? Um, so obviously reading a lot up on it helped me heal. Um, watching documentaries, a, a narcissistic relationship in a cult is not much different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really not. So it's a cult of one versus a cult of many. Um, Wow. So I watched a lot of documentaries on cults and read a lot about cults. Uh, the day I started therapy, The Vow that's on HBO came out. So I feel kind of, you know, like that was a great example for me because, you know, they were in the hot water too and they had to get out. Um, and it just sort of correlated that the first day I ever went to therapy was the day it aired. Wow. So um, find examples. Bad Vegan uh, uh-huh. is a really good example. Okay. Narcissistic Views, Rising Phoenix, or Phoenix Rising. Uh-huh. Uh, on HBO is also a really good example. It's trigger warning. That one's a rough example. I remember an older movie that might've been too old for your, for your years, but it was called Enough with Jennifer Lopez. Yes. No, I know that movie. I actually couldn't watch it for a while because I would get triggered. Wow. But I did watch it. I want to say about six months ago and I watched it all the way through without having to take anything that's a sign that you're more healed from your trauma that you could handle that wow or uh, gaslight is a very old movie with ingrid bergman and that's when to see that oh it's a really great example too it's available on amazon okay it's hard to find because it's from 1940 something yeah it's that's also a really good example oh that's good so you know finding examples yeah reading up on it learning learning about myself Mm -hmm. um i healing is is hard oh yes and, you know anyone who tells you that it's not isn't probably isn't maybe doing i'm not to say anyone's not healing right but i would say there were many times i said that i was fine mm-hmm. and i definitely was not fine right well and probably the relief from being out of the abusive situation feels so good for a while that you think right. you're fine right you think oh i left and magically everything's okay yes it's not <laughs> right. Just, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. It's not, it does take time. And, uh, you know, my friends had to encourage me. They're like, I'm a little scared. Like you need to go to therapy. Yeah. And it's not that I was, I wasn't suicidal or anything like that, but I was just so almost emotionally dead at that mm-hmm. point. Like I was just not there. Oh Yeah. Um, I'm learning a lot about this new phase and, and, you know, this new kind of obsession, but it's a great one with polyvagal theory and your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that talk about the dorsal part of your uh, vagal, your vagus nerve and the vagal system. And that's like a dorsal collapse and you kind of go into shutdown mode and Mm -hmm. ventral mode is like the more positive um, mode where you can actually be healthy and, and, you know, have productive conversations and, and be your best self, your yeah. healthiest self. So you probably went into a major dorsal shutdown mode for a well, while. Well, it was almost like, I don't know if you see when your phone like shut down and starts over a boot looping. Ah. That's the best analogy I could find for kind of what was happening to me is I was shut down. And then I'd be almost hyper aware, hyper active, but not in a productive way. It was almost just fear. Yeah. So, you know, fight or flight response, just cycling through it. And if I wasn't, 
you know, really up, hyper aware, freaking out, terrified. I was just completely just emotionally dead. I see. So you would go from being really numb, dead, shut down to being hyper vigilant, like wide awake, but mm-hmm. you couldn't get into that middle mode. Mm-mm. No. And that's called boot looping? I call it boot looping, okay. which is what, you know, phones do when they start up and shut down and start up and shut oh, down. Oh, interesting. So that, I, I mean, I went through that for, I would say, a year and a half after I left. Wow. But then also when I left my relationship, that person who had groomed me came back into the fold. Mm. And so I didn't get to leave and then immediately start healing. That's not how it worked for me. You weren't able to finish your healing process before another narcissist kind of came into the page. Exactly. And it was just different. So, and this person helped me and they had been there for me. And so, you know, I just thought they were a better person than they ended up being. Right. So any kind of trauma work and talk therapy, journaling, reading, you know, reading online, watching movies, understanding the dynamics of narcissistic abuse, um, I wonder if codependence groups, um, there's like CODA, Codependency Anonymous groups. I don't even know about that. Yeah, I wonder if that could be helpful just, you know, especially if you could find something geared towards um, the codependency with like a narcissist or a manipulative, emotionally abusive person. Um, those were some of my main thoughts. Um I did start personal training afterwards, um, and that helped with a lot of the aggression that I was feeling. Because you come out of it and you're just angry. You're angry at yourself. You're angry at the world. You're angry at the person who did this to you. So I did start training uh, with a trainer. Because I do not, I'm not, haven't been an athletic person in decades now. So, you know, just going to the gym (laughs) Uh every day after work or before work, I don't have the sort of drive for that. So a trainer definitely helped. And I can, you know, they're becoming more trauma-informed uh-huh. as as we go on in time. Uh-huh. I've been with them for, I think, a year and a half now. I've done most of my healing in the last year and a half. It was about March or April of last year. I finally went no contact with everybody. Uh-huh. And that's when I could really start. So personal trainer, talk therapy, yeah. journaling, of, started hiking, Wow. Um, I started uh, Noom, so controlling uh, sort of distorted eating habits. Ah. So Noom uses cognitive behavioral therapy to help with eating. N-O-O-M? Yes, Um, because before, when I was younger, I talked about having anorexia. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I had disordered uh, binge eating, like, during my relationship. Wow. That's so good. Well... This is really inspiring just to hear your story and to help it come alive. Like what is narcissistic abuse and to hear how that unfolds and and how you were vulnerable to it. Um, I think just one of the best pieces of advice for anyone is just to get as healthy as you can individually before you date. Oh, yes. Yeah, dating is not on the horizon for me right now. Um it's the first of my life I've been happy alone. Oh. So I think it's very important if you're codependent to find that place where you can learn to be happy on your own. Amen. It, and, and a lot of people are like, what do you mean you're happy on your own? You've, you know, I've never been able to do that in your life. I'm genuinely, for the first time in my life, I think, 
actually, and everything is not perfect, but I'm, I smile, I'm happy. More days are better than not. So yeah, you seem that way. And when you value yourself and you take good care of yourself, mm-hmm. and you know, I like to say that the relationship you have with yourself, if it's good, then why would you settle for a bad relationship with right. someone else? You know, spoil yourself, take yes. yourself out. You know, obviously I, I struggle with sort of eating, but you know, take yourself out to lunch, enjoy things that you really love. Find out if you don't know what you actually love, because yes. sometimes you're forced to love the thing that the other person loves and you're told that that's what you like. Exactly. So, you know, finding that out for yourself, it's almost like dating yourself and it's a mystery and an adventure in itself. Yeah. And then you're content and you're happy. So you're a lot less likely to settle for an unhealthy relationship, even though a lot of these people know to start out on the really best behavior. And that's why a lot of them rush you into marriage. If they know they have major problems and Mm -hmm. major abusive patterns, they're going to want to rush you into it early. Right. Because they can only control themselves for so long. Exactly. And luckily we never got married. We did have a lot of entwined finances in the end. I think it'll be about 40 or $50,000 I've had to pay off. Oh my goodness. Of debt with attorney fees and um, so financial abuse is also part of it with attorney fees and interest. Wow. There was like literally a financial cost along with the emotional, physical, Mm -hmm. health costs. Yep. Uh, I have endometriosis and that went from stage one to stage four during the course of that relationship too. So you know, like your body takes a hit, your finances take a hit, your mental health takes a hit. Every there's non there's no part of my life that was not touched or damaged or altered in some way. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being brave enough to share your story. And I know that you share your story on, you know, social media even. I do. Um, it's such a gift to others to be a beacon of like you know, openness, vulnerability, and wanting to inspire other people to save them the heartbreak and the trauma that you've been through. If just one person hears this and that helps them, you know, then that's all I want. If I could just help one other person. I'm sure this will way more than one. Well, thank you so very much. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listening. I'm sorry if it's a little disjointed, but, you know, the part of it is just you don't move linearly in time anymore after something like that happens. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I think it it flowed very well. Oh, thank you. (laughs) 